Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, it was quite a trip. Went down to Utah, came back, saw my sister, daughter, and uh, granddaughter. It was a lot of fun. Vacations are a great time. But in the process, I did answer a few Stack Overflow questions on uh, logistic regression. And it seemed like what people were trying to figure out is what were what is the best way to improve accuracy? Because they were looking at ROC curves, at they were doing stepwise refinement, and they were trying to get the perfect balance of uh, N estimators to uh, get the um, get a higher percentage. And uh, what they weren't checking for is overfit, make sure that they were the, the, the covariance and you know they weren't looking at standard deviations and things like that so they uh, the this idea of accuracy becomes such an obsession that they're not really thinking does my model generalize well and that's that's a more important question to answer is do what does my model generalize well than to answer do I have high accuracy because if you increase your uh, polynomial curve fit order level high enough, you're going to get a really high accuracy, but it's not going to be generalized very well to new data. And so, um, so what you want to do is, you know, first of all, ask yourself, does this system, is it nonlinear or linear? Does my data, um, does it fit evenly on one side or the other? And uh, can I can I can I represent it by a linear equation? Now, if it's a nonlinear equation, then uh, you are going to have to change the your approach uh, and, uh, and and which classifiers that you use. So, uh, and, and that's where the deep learning comes into effect is you know you have different features it handles nonlinear systems very well uh, you also have the general linear model which I like because it does handle nonlinear system of data but you have it's very sophisticated it's got a lot of complex parameters and you have to understand uh, linear programming so again you go back to you know uh, trying to answer some of the questions that people are asking and and uh, sometimes they get all hung up on uh, certain keywords like they'll say well what is the what is the equation well it's not really that they're looking for the equation they're looking for how to implement something and um, because it, it reflects the general lack of understanding. For example, they were trying to figure out sentiment and using the log loss function, uh, and they threw out just kind of like they were smart, like, oh, explain how the sentiment affects log loss, and without even really knowing what log loss is. And, uh, you know, understanding what the log it function is and the equations for calculating log loss not sure that they really understood how sentiment is determined. So sentiment is uh, determined by a negative 
or positive value. The more negative the value, the more negative the sentiment. The more positive the value, the more positive. And uh, you also have subjectivity. So subjectivity is, is it based on fact or is it based on feeling or some sort of uh, soft tangible or intangible, I would say. Yeah, emotions or feelings are intangible. So um, intangible. But it has nothing to do with log loss. And so you're like, this person obviously does not understand that a logistic regression model is based on a probability. A probability that these certain features are going to uh, result in an outcome. So now if they do know the outcome of whether or not it was uh, positive or negative sentiment, and then they use that as the outcomes, then the model could predict sentiment that way. Uh, only if it was a label, only if sentiment was labeled. But if you're calculating sentiment from sentences, the what is used is the certain keywords are used for negative sentiment, certain keywords are used for positive sentiment, and then you're looking at a weighting. How close are they related? Uh, and you, you can also do uh, some end bagging where you're taking groups of words, not just a word, but groups of words together and looking to see if those groups of words, like say like you take three words at a time and you're looking to see if that has a positive or negative sentiment. And then you're telling that up in some sort of matrix, see, and then you're getting a number. That's sentiment analysis, and it has nothing to do with log loss. So again, keep harping on that. Uh, the other thing I saw that was kind of interesting is they're trying to use different grids to find out what parameters to use. And, and that's a great way to do this. Use your cross-validation, so cross-folding. And what folding is, is you're, you're taking the data and you're splitting it up into stratification layers. Uh, or folds and then the idea behind that is you're feeding that into the network and these different folds represent different uh, uh, segments of data and then from those different segments of data you can you can see how the model performs and, and you can uh, feed into that through a grid parameter matrixy or it's a dictionary and you can feed in different parameters and it can it'll try all the different permeations of those parameters and get and then it will record the scores and so you can actually see the scores for each one of the models and then it will select the best model and the best parameters and um and so well well not actually the best model because it, that's a, a different tool that's teapot We'll give you that best model. But going back to grid search or uh, search grid CV, it will give you the best parameters, and you can see the results of each one of the tests that it runs. And it takes a little while to run, and you can run it in. Uh, you can tie it to a CPU and run it in parallel. Makes your machine kind of hot because it's using lots of cycles, but it runs faster. And uh, and so then you're you're looking at that. Well, 
there, there's some limitations to everything. You know, you have to kind of understand the API, you understand the architecture of the of the classifier to know that just because you're stepwise refining, looking for the ultimate number of trees in your uh, random forest doesn't mean that that will improve efficiency. So just because you put 100 trees in doesn't mean you're gonna get higher efficiency because you need to think about how uh, a decision tree works in a random forest classifier. So it, it uh, will take and set of rules from the data and it will build a tree and then you're going to have a series of these trees based on different sets of data and their roles and it's going to have different outcomes and then it votes there's an assembly uh, and it, it votes and each one of the tree gets a vote and then majority wins so having a thousand trees is not going to necessarily improve your efficiency. Well, you know, and the more I start thinking about uh, analyzing data, it it uh, um, becomes very apparent <clears throat> that uh, if you're cookie cuttering your machine learning, cutting and pasting, and not thinking about what is going on with the probabilities, the statistics in the classifier then you really don't know data science. And so you're going to run into problems when it comes to defending your outcomes. You need to be able to defend your outcomes. And the only way that you can defend your outcomes is you have to understand inference, uh, inference computations, computational inference. You need to understand logic and you also under, need to understand ways of visualizing distribution so that you can you can uh, 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 defend through numbers the uh, performance of your model and that's that's basically you, you know I'm giving you the argument for the dissertation but you have a dissertation that you must defend so you need to understand the math behind it the language behind it and then be able to defend that among your peers uh, so then that kind of begs the question, then do, should you write your own classifiers so you understand the mathematics and, and the logic behind uh, what's going on? And not necessarily, because I, you know, that's one of the things that I was arguing this morning uh, on Stack Overflow was that you don't need to, to build the API, you know, you can just use it but you do need to understand what that API is doing. And how do you do that? Well, you can read documentation. And a lot of engineers, uh, that's the way you're going to understand the API is you're gonna read the, the, the documentation. But what if the documentation is written in a language that is very technical and the terminology is under, un, not understood because they don't break it down in simple terms? Well, then you're gonna to have to go to YouTube and then you go to YouTube and you watch it and there's so many variations of what people understand and you're gonna get little bits and pieces of it. Or you're gonna to go to data camp and you're gonna have professionals there talk about it and they're gonna walk you through, but you're still gotta find that special course that explains everything. 
so the other thing that you could do is you could just sit and think about it. And then you can start working it out on paper. And then you, once you've th thought about it and worked it out on paper, you can go to the internet and uh, you know find out what the terminologies mean. And uh, you know you get more comfortable from that standpoint. So you really only have time to think. That's what I'm saying is that you just think about it, and then you understand the concepts, and then you start uh, you start building models in your mind. Of how things work and then the physical API needs to work the way you're thinking in your models in your mind otherwise the models in your mind are wrong and you and you need to clarify and correct that um, you may be able to go talk to an expert and that that's always uh, nice I've talked to a lot of experts they write books and so forth and uh, I ask them which book I should buy because they're expensive and a lot of times they'll say, you know, buy the 100-page one. Or, you know, in some cases, it's buy the 1,200-page one. Well, there's a lot of information there. And, again, as you're going through all that information, uh, you should have a reasonable understanding of what's going on and be able to kind of anticipate or understand what the author is trying to explain. Uh, if not, you're at a too advanced of a level and you need to get back to the basics and understand the basics. And that's one thing I really like about DataCamp is their constant reiteration on the basics to ensure that you have that foundation and then you work with the more advanced, uh, advanced methodologies. And it, then you have a common frame to build on. It makes sense. Just like... When you're looking at logistic regression, you're looking at log loss, you're not getting caught up in the incorrect uh, concept of that classifier. And if you, you have this idea that the classifier has sentiment analysis built into it, then you've erred. You've erred. It does not have sentiment analysis built into it. And so for that reason, uh, you know, you're going to, there's a lot of misdirection that can occur in machine learning. And it is a very precise science. It is not, uh, you know, it's not as random as you might think. Things have to be done in a specific order. And, you know, you're constantly going back to the math and the statistics that drive these models. And so, you know, um, I've got a couple of courses that I'm looking at as soon as I get done with uh, this intro course that I, I missed, and uh, and and it will be talking about statistical inference. Now, there's others that are statistical use cases, or they're again, you know, there's there's they're uh, exploring the null hypothesis, p-values, statistical significance, things that we were talking about in A/B testing. But A/B testing is nothing more than a statistical method for doing comparisons between two variables. Um, and so again, you know, it has different name or terminology, but underlying it, it's going to have statistical methodology that's driving it. And, and so when I talk to professionals in machine learning and, you know, they're constantly taking Corsica classes, hundreds of Corsica classes. Well, I've taken many DataCamp classes and it's not that I'm shooting down Corsica. 
It's just uh, Corsica really doesn't have a direction to a career. So, you, you know, their thing is take a, a college-level course, get the material, take the examinations, and get the certificate. Well, you know, that's great when you're doing early pre-qualification for a job to see if you are capable of doing the work that you have a Corsica certificate and you can say, hey, yeah, I uh, I took the test, I know the terminology, uh, you can probably put me on a project and feel safe that I can do the work. But if you are cookie cutting and uh, uh, you don't really understand the math or you really don't understand the APIs and what's going on, then what will happen is you'll incorrectly implement and you'll miss uh, you'll miss the, val the numerical ways to validate your model and so your model won't be defensible and so it's it's really important that uh, you get a solid foundation to build upon.